This is the TriDot Podcast. TriDot uses your training data and genetic profile combined with predictive analytics and artificial intelligence to optimize your training, giving you better results in less time with fewer injuries. Our podcast is here to educate, inspire, and entertain. We'll talk all things triathlon with expert coaches and special guests. Join the conversation and let's improve together. Together. Welcome to the Tried Out Podcast. Throw on the Speedos and light a chlorine scented candle. Today we are talking lap lane swimming. Swim center culture is real, pool etiquette is real, and making yourself at home at the pool can really help you nail your workout with confidence. Joining us for this conversation is Coach Jeff Rains. Jeff has a Master's of Science in Exercise Physiology, is a USAT Level 2 and Ironman certified coach and was a successful D1 collegiate runner. He's qualified for the Boston Marathon multiple times and raced over 120 triathlons of all distances. Jeff has been coaching runners and triathletes for over 11 years. Jeff, welcome to the show today. Thanks, Andrew. Can't wait to dive in and splash things up a bit here today. Terrible puns. Terrible puns. So bad. Uh, always a crowd pleaser, though. Next up is Coach John Mayfield, a, a successful Ironman athlete himself. John leads TriDot's Athlete Services, Ambassador, and Coaching Programs. He has coached hundreds of athletes, ranging from first-timers to Kona qualifiers and professional triathletes. John has been using TriDot since 2010 and coaching with TriDot since 2012. John, are you ready to not get wet recording this podcast? Ready to not get wet, Yep. That's good. As opposed to getting wet recording the podcast, which never happens yet. Uh, And who am I? I'm Andrew, the average triathlete, voice of the people, and captain of the middle of the pack. After our warm-up, we'll talk about navigating the experience that is lap lane swimming. And then we'll cool down with a special treat. We have the Triathlete Magazine editor-in-chief, Kelly O'Mara, is going to drop by and share... uh, A dramatic reading of sorts of one of her salty triathlete columns. So stick around for the end. It's going to be great. Let's get to it. Time to warm up. Let's get moving. We often receive feedback from athletes with uh, kind of specific questions or topics they're interested in hearing about on the podcast. But today we have a TriDot podcast first. An athlete reached out and left us a podcast voicemail specifically with a warm-up question. So here is David with today's warm-up question for you guys, our coaches. Hi there, podcast crew. I'm David from New York and a fellow TriDot ambassador with a warm-up question for Andrew, John, and Jeff. With the recent attention around charitable giving and initiatives surrounding the All-In Challenge, I was wondering what your ideal once-in-a-lifetime triathlon-related prize would consist of. I'll kick it off by saying perhaps... It would be an all-expense-paid trip to Kona and the chance to compete with all new gear included. Interested to hear what you think as well. So quick context, if you haven't heard of the All-In Challenge, this is a new wave of fundraising campaigns where all the proceeds go towards organizations working to end food scarcity. Organizations and or celebrities will post uh, usually an experience up for auction, and the amount of money you pledge towards winning that experience buys you entries towards potentially winning it. So for example, at the time of this recording, Harley-Davidson, the motorcycle company, is partnering with American actor uh, Jason Momoa, famous for uh, Aquaman uh, recently, 
uh, and you can bid to win the opportunity to ride Harley-Davidson motorcycles through the California countryside on a Harley-Davidson of your choosing. And when it's all over, that Harley-Davidson is now yours. So for more information about the All-In Challenge, head to fanatics.com and click on any of the banners on their homepage for the challenge. At the moment, uh, this movement has raised over $58 million to feed folks in need worldwide. So fellas, with this in mind, David is asking, what triathlon-based experience would get your attention and make you want to bid to potentially win on a triathlon All-In Challenge? uh, Jeff, I'll start with you. Maybe uh, you could ride any brand of tri bike of your choosing uh, alongside your favorite pro of all time. Uh, you know, may- maybe even on the Kona bike course, like as a fun training ride. Um, or, or better, better yet, actually, how about you 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 get to race an Ironman event of your choosing, the whole thing alongside your favorite pro. Like for me, maybe I I could have Craig Alexander pace me, right, for for like Ironman Arizona next year or something like that. I would just feel bad that like for for the pro, like they're just like chilling. Like they're just relaxing the whole time next to you and you're like giving it your all. Like I I would feel bad that I'm holding this guy back from performing how he could. But I I know that's not the point of the challenge for him. It'd be... Uh, you know, a, a way to give back and be a part of, of something. So, exactly. Um, I, I do like that, like if Ironman partnered with, you know, some brands and, and said, hey, you know, pick pick a road bike you like, we're going to fly out to Kona and let you ride the course alongside a pro. That that would be a really neat experience. So, um, John, what's yours? So I, I've been very fortunate in that I've gotten to do a lot of really cool stuff in the triathlon space and, and go to a lot of races, including uh, Kona. But but one thing, I, I, I always travel uh, relatively light, um, I kind of get in town, I get out, uh, I, I travel as, as cheap as I can. Uh, so I think it'd be really cool to do something like an overseas trip, fly first class and stay in, uh, some sort of luxurious resort and, and really just make it a, uh, a fancy trip. That's something I've, I've not done a whole lot of. So an all expenses paid fancy trip to a race. Yeah. Like first class to Germany and check out challenge Roth and stay in some, yeah five-star hotel and and just kind of uh wine and dine and yeah and do it first class so i think that'd be really cool i think what would really get my attention is um if you had the chance to just just do a training ride with one of the pro tour um cycling teams and so if if you got flown uh, you know for us in the states if we got flown over to europe or for our european listeners if they uh, got flown to the training location um of one of the big name tour teams you know movie star team ineos um, you know, wh- whichever one was going to partner with the challenge. Um, and, and just for the day when they go, they go out, um, and just being on a bike uh, on a tour caliber bike next to those guys, uh, you know, r- rubbing shoulders. And, uh, and obviously for them, I'm sure the day that you would be with them would be a, a relaxing, like a recovery <laughs> ride, a right? Very easy, very <laughs> flat day. Uh, but just to get to see some of the scenery, um, that, that those, that those guys train on yeah. in, in the mountains of whether it's France or Italy or Spain or, or wherever they've set up camp. Uh, that would be a really cool experience to me, and and that would get my attention, and I would love to win something like that. It would also be really cool to ride in those uh, mechanic cars that uh, roll up next to them, and they've got the mechanics hanging out the window, (laughs) adjusting derailleurs at 30 miles an hour. That'd be cool. Maybe being the guy who's on the back of one of the little mopeds on a Tour de France race day. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be the guy driving that car, though. (laughs) Just to watch the race from the moped. (laughs) On to the main set. Going in three, two, one. Our main set today is brought to you by Tritats. 
Whether you're a seasoned Ironman or gearing up for your first local sprint try, Tri-Tats will help you make your mark. These tough, stylish, and easy-to-use race number tattoos make you look and feel like a pro. I personally have raced countless local sprint and Olympic tries where I showed up thinking I had plenty of time to settle in the transition only to find a massive line waiting to be body marked. Switching to Tri-Tats has allowed me to show up on race morning with my focus on the finish line, not the body marking line. If you have an Ironman race this year, their Iron Tats are made especially for you. Iron Tats body mark you for that one key race and include the all-famous MDOT logo. Friends don't let friends race with Sharpied on numbers. So as a friend of the podcast, head to TriTats.com and use promo code TRIDOT for 10% off your order. Again, that's TriTats.com, promo code TRIDOT. A common multi-sport joke is that it's always easy to spot the triathlete at the pool. Compared to the pure swimmers that live for chlorinated bodies of water, we just don't always 100% look like we fit in down at the aquatic center. Well, today our coaches will answer all of my swim aquatic center related questions and help us all make the most of our time down at the pool. So guys, let's start from the top. When we enter a swim center, you know, wh- whether we pay a few bucks uh, or just sign in or, or whatever we have to do to get into the pool, the very first thing we have to navigate is which lane we belong in for our workout. What should we consider when choosing which lane to jump into? So it's really going to vary by the venue. So there's there's going to be several different uh, experiences that the swimmers will see. So uh, a lot of folks are swimming at their their gym. Uh, oftentimes these are uh, kind of small, usually two or three lanes. Um, so kind of depending on the time of day, uh, it could be crowded. They could have it uh, to themselves. Uh, others will have the opportunity to go to more of a natatorium uh, with typically larger pools, more lanes, uh, which that in of itself can also pose um, some decisions. And um, it can be a little intimidating. Your your first yeah, especially trip or two. especially if there are if it's crowded. So now now what do I do? Which which lane do I belong in? Um, so it, it's kind of knowing what what's going on there at the pool. Uh, is it is it pretty free, kind of up to the individual, or is it more structured? Oftentimes, um, the pools will have, have lanes labeled uh, as, as slow, medium, fast, or they'll have even numbers that, that are assigned to, to those paces. Um, so really, I, I think kind of a theme for the day in, in all of this as we discuss uh, pool etiquette is, is just be courteous and um, play nice uh, with, with everyone else. And I think that's what's going to Don't set. be afraid to maybe ask. Absolutely. Uh, talk with the people. And um, it, what's going to produce the best swim session for everyone is, is if everyone just... Communicative. Right. And, and gets along and just plays Co- nice. Coexist. And, and yeah. Um, so uh, find out what, what it is that you're... What is the culture of the facility that you're swimming in and uh, do what you can just to play nice with, with the other swimmers. So, so Jeff, you um, worked at a, at a multi-sport aquatic center for, for a long time uh, on deck as a coach. And, and so if someone's walking into that environment, because I think that's the more intimidating environment, right? We, we can all kind of ask some questions, navigate the local gym a little bit better. But when you walk into that notorium for the first time, um, it, it's, it's a little intimidating, especially when, you're, when you don't have a swimming background. So, so coming from that kind of coaching, when you, if, if someone's walking into a swim center, there's coaches on deck, there's classes going on, What's the best way to navigate that kind of a scenario? A lot of it is kind of like what John was saying, know the venue, but some aquatic centers don't ever allow open swimming. You can only swim in their pools during a coached session. Okay. Um, And then some are are both. You have master's classes, and and then you can 
share the pool. Um, when, when there aren't master's classes, uh, then you can use the pool. So there, there will be instances, like if you're at your local gym, like John said, two or three lanes, uh, you might, you know, want to have the mindset of you're probably going to have to share a lane uh, in that session. But if it's an aquatic center that is outside of a master's swim class, you're probably going to have more lanes to choose from, 10 or 20 lanes, and most likely you'll get a lane to yourself. But sometimes you'll show up and there will be a class going on, right? Or, or the only way that you get to swim that the next few hours is if you participate in one of their classes. So there's always different scenarios. So, so know what they're offering, the time of day. Uh, if you want a solo lane, a solo, unique, your own, let's say, try it out workout, um, then, then know the hours where that entity has an open lane. But even... Um, even before all of that, uh, a few things to consider kind of right off the bat is, is the pool that session long course or short course and even yards or meters? Um, and make sure you change the settings on your watch to yards or meters according to what the pool is, right? Happens <laughs> all the time like man i just was super slow that day but really you're you're watching yeah Yeah, exactly and so uh, kind of a good rule of thumb is that yards are are shorter than meters and in a general rule of thumb is to add about eight to ten seven to ten seconds to your yard base time for meter pools um just know the facility and know what they have um i think the the other scenario that i can think of that i know people face and uh, and I, I I'd heard of this, you know, where they'll label the lanes based on how fast you can swim, right? And 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 so um, some places will actually put like, hey, if you are tracking between 140 and 150 average uh, uh, pace for the for the length, like j- j- jump in here. Uh, and and sometimes they just say, hey, this is the slow lane, this is the medium lane, this is the fast lane. And and I'd heard of that, and I heard people kind of joke about, oh, which one do I jump in? I never faced that until uh, I flew to New Zealand. Uh, kind of a little 30th birthday trip with my wife and I. Um, I did the half Ironman in New Zealand. Um, and where we were staying in Auckland when we first arrived at the country, right across the street uh, on the wharf, uh, the little apartment complex we were staying in, there was a swim center right across the street. It was awesome. And so I went, I, I found out what time open swim was. I went down there. I paid my my $6 or whatever it was to get in. And I walked in and for the first time ever, I had to face the decision they literally just labeled the lanes. These two were slow. These two were medium. These two were fast. There was no one else swimming at the time for me to like make, make a judgment call on, okay, which one are they in and how fast are they going? Uh, there were some other people, like you know, some classes getting ready to start and some other people there about to jump in. And so I'm the first one about to hop in the water trying to make that decision of, oh man, where do I belong? And I just jumped on the medium and hope, hoped it worked out. And thankfully, not a lot of other people jumped on the pool that day and it worked out. Uh, but, but what would you advise a swimmer to do in that kind of a scenario where they're picking a lane based on where they think they, they would land in relation to everybody else? That's where kind of base interval comes in. Um, you may have heard that. Um, but, but knowing your base interval. And it's kind of like uh, establishing your threshold based off of a 5K or a 20-minute FTP bike test. Um, so it, uh, base intervals. So a lot of times you, you can ask the front desk or even if there's coaches around, you know, typically how they divide the pools, right? Um, usually they will have uh, s- swimmers come in and self-seed, right, according to your goal base per 100 
for, for intervals, right? So um, faster swimmers are typically in those first few lanes and then progressing down the pool with kind of less aggressive okay. base interval times. You might hear it say like, hey, you know, these first three lanes are, uh, you know, swimmers that are typically about uh, a 120 and faster base interval, right? And then lanes four through six are those medium lanes, maybe 130 base swimmers. And then lane seven, eight, nine, or, or whatever, like in your case, um, you know, 140 to 145. So that's where I should have been. But but if you're unsure, um, always start in a more conservative lane. And typically also, if you're in a, in a class or those other swimmers, um, you, you kind of get the feel for it. So, so don't be afraid to move up or down a lane. That's normal. And, and coaches will even um, pull people out. Hey, move up this lane. Okay, you know, you're tapping his feet. She's tapping yours. So why don't we move around or uh, stuff like that. So sometimes the pool is quite quiet and we score whole lane to ourselves and sometimes we find a packed house um talk to me about lane sharing etiquette how do we know when it's okay to share a lane with someone and how to be a good lane mate when we do so i mean there's no hard and fast rule here but uh kind of as i said earlier we uh, are all going to have a better swim set when we play nice together and we are courteous and considerate of the other so um my rule is i always want to be invited or at least um get permission uh, when possible from from someone that if I have to share a lane, if I show up and and the the option to swim by myself is is not there, um, I want to ask that person and at least you know at least let them know that um, and, and maybe you know if they're like in the middle of a, a real important set, if they're about to do a time trial or something like that, and they may say, hey, look, I give me ten minutes and I'll be good, or maybe yeah. I'm almost done. Um, I have no problem with that. Um, or you know, if you do, maybe move on to the next lane. Uh, fine, because there's going to be some tension there anyway. Now that that if yeah. you didn't have a great connection to to start, you don't want to swim with that person. Um, chances are the next person is going to be super cool and say, say, yeah, come on. So um, I always want to at least have some some communication there. I always kind of hate if I'm in the middle of lap and all of a sudden there's somebody. Um, and, uh, that, that just kind of throws me and, yeah. and that right there kind of off, off the bat sets like, you know, why is this guy just jumping in my lane? Uh, especially if, you know, I'm in the middle of doing an assessment or something, uh, like that. And then once you, you have that initial, uh, communication, it's important to know whether you guys are going to be splitting the lane uh, so, so basically swimming on one side. So one takes the right side, one takes the left side of the stripe, or are you going to be swimming in a circle and different people have different preferences. Um, I think kind of rule of thumb is to split the yeah. lane. So, so again, one person will have basically from, from the rope to the, 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 the center, center stripe. Um, but you know, you, you may hop in and then you may notice that they're swimming in circles. So, uh, you know, you're always staying on the right or always on the left, depending on where you are. But, um, that's, that's real important to know because you may get down there and make the first turn. And if one person thinks you're splitting and the other thinks you're circling, yeah. that's going to be bad. So, uh, nobody just, wins just in a head, but yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think I think people you need you need to realize that because um, I, I didn't look at it this way at first. Like I I was always willing to share a lane with somebody, and I would, um, but but I never preferred it, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. no one does. But but I I came to realize like, man, when you're in on race day, like like whether it's a pool swim, open water swim, lake swim, ocean swim, like you're out there, you're bumping people, like you're coming. It, it almost gives you a chance to practice being aware of the people around you, being aware of how your arms are interacting with where their arms are, and 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 you know, kind of staying in a smaller space, it almost becomes good practice for some of those things. Yeah. And I'll say another courteous tip is if you're there with multiple people and you see that the lanes are filling up, uh, go ahead and, and make those uh, kind of proactive moves to to join up in there. You control who you're getting to swim with. Um, and 
Uh, so again, it's just all about uh, allowing the, the best use of the space for everybody there. So, you know, if, if you and two buddies are taking up three lanes and, and there's people sitting on the deck waiting to get in, you all pile into the same lane and, and open up those for, for other folks. Also, while you're sharing a lane, um, there's, there's kind of talking etiquette and, and whether or not you're going to dialogue with somebody. Because like for us, we go and we're doing our tried out workout. And if someone splits a lane with me and, and they want to, you know, they notice, oh, you know, they, oh, you're a triathlete, you, you have your swim cap on that's from a certain race and they want to talk about it. And, uh, you know, people strike up a conversation and, and you're in the middle of a set. It's like, buddy, I got 20 seconds on the wall and I'm supposed to do another 200. H- how do you navigate kind of, kind of when to talk to somebody, when to, when to cut them off, when to, you know what I mean? Kind of the, the, the chatting etiquette of sharing a lane. A lot of that um, y- you will get in, in, in more of your uh, kind of box gyms, right? You, the, the pools that, uh, that, that have two or three lanes and maybe some aqua joggers in lane one or something like that. Um, a lot of times I approach that on, is today kind of a slower, longer, easier set day than, than I don't mind necess- you know, kind of sharing a lane with anybody. You know, I'm, I'm cool with it. But if it's a day kind of like what you're saying, like I want to giddy up a little bit, you know, I got an assessment or, or maybe I'm going to do some non-free and I'm going to do some butterfly and I'm just going to be wailing in that lane. I'm not going to pick a lane that has somebody who is rehabbing uh, an injury in that lane um, or, or somebody who, who looks like maybe they're wearing a hairnet and they don't want to get their hair wet. So, um, you know, know your workout, I would say, and, and, and kind of pick a lane or, or pick a caliber athlete that, you know, you know may understand uh, sharing a lane uh, with, with more intuitive swimmers, let's say. Okay, so you guys have us in a lane ready to swim. A staple of every swim center is the clock. And we're as triathletes, you know, we're, we're known to get to the wall and immediately check our watches. Pure swimmers get to the wall and immediately check the pace clock. What are the next level tips and tricks to help us utilize the pool clock like a swimmer? So this is something that is called send-offs. And whether you're, you're, you're participating in a master's class, a guided class with a coach, um, or whether you're doing your own individual workout and there's just multiple people in your lane, uh, I, I will say that most people um, tend to uh, want to split the lane. Like you, if you're not at a true aquatic center, you will pretty much very rarely see circle swimming. Yeah. Um, and if you are going to circle swim, um, it, it, you always do it in counterclockwise. So you're always swimming down on the right-hand side. Um, so, so just good etiquette is, is counterclockwise. Do you, do, you le- do you yell on your left? Under the water, <laughs> if you're passing somebody. Is that what that is? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, awesome. I like that. Um, but send-offs. So, so typically, if multiple people are in the same lane, uh, and it's a short course pool, right? It's, it's a smaller pool, um, less distance, less space to spread space out, space to spread yeah. out. Exactly. Uh, typically you will find or, or choose a, a base interval that is the same for everyone in the lane. Um, and kind of adopt a five second send off, right? Where the first swimmer may start on the top of the minute using the clock and then each follower right behind on the same interval, just following every five, five seconds, seconds later, another seconds later. Exactly. Okay. Um, now short course pools are smaller, right? So if there's five swimmers, they're sharing a lane on the same base interval and they're, you know, approximately the same fitness level of, of all the athletes. And if the send off is 10 seconds apart, 
um, the first swimmer could could essentially uh, finish a lap, but but before the last swimmer even starts. Um, and so, typically, long course pools, um, 50 meters, uh, you will adopt more of a 10 second send off. Uh, and then short course pools kind of follow that five second send off. So another trick that you can do it, utilizing the clock and kind of knowing uh, where you're at inside of each set is kind of deciding which side you want to breathe on. Um, and, and are you going to kind of glance at the clock once per every 25? Um, or, you know, are you going to look at a clock four different times inside of each 100? Uh, is the clock only on the one side of the pool or is there a clock on both sides of the pool? Ah, um, so are so, you going so to bilaterally breathe? breathing so you can look at the clock while you're Mid swim, exactly. So, so for a tried out athlete, you know, you're you're in the pool. You know, let's say you have the lane to yourself, right? So, so you're not worried about uh, you know a certain send off that the rest of your lane mates are doing. Um, you, you have the lane to yourself, and and tried out is, is going to tell you, okay, your your next set is two hundreds, one hundreds, one fifties, seventy fives, whatever it is, and then it also tells you how long to rest in between. Um, is is there any advantage in utilizing the clock to guide that workout over your watch at that point? Absolutely. You know, picking clean intervals, uh, it's easier to use the clock. It's easier to stay on pace and, and kind of stick to, to really close to what those rest periods are. So if you're swimming a, a 100 and your base pace is, is somewhere around two minutes, um, then, then kind of round it all into a clean two minute, uh, base interval so that, you know, maybe each time you touch the wall, you make sure you're at those clean 30 second splits, right? If it's short course, so leave at the four minute and 30 second mark instead of the four minute and 32 second mark. And that way you're going to stay on those even numbers. Exactly. Okay. Now also what you can do is, is siding um, to, to glance at the clock if it's at the end of the lane or maybe, you know, spacing out that breathing pattern to where when you take a breath, you, you see the clock there. Um, but if you're not good at using the clock or you're not going to glance at the clock, maybe every single 25 or every length, um, stroke counting is another way. Um, kind of knowing that I'm, you know, after 15 strokes, I'm, I'm usually one or two close to the wall. Yeah. So, and then maybe using the, 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 the T or the end of the black line, um, at the end of the pool. And there's also um, multicolored lane lines. Why is essentially every pool in, in America or arguably the world, why do they have multicolored lane lines? To tell you where you are in the lane? A uh, couple reasons. Um, one is for coaches to be able to see, okay, you're getting, you know, one and a half yards uh, DPS distance per stroke on the left, but you're, you know, you're getting one yard uh, on the non-breathing side or something like that. Mm. And so you um, can see how far into the white, red, white, red, that length they're going with one stroke. Exactly. Okay. Or maybe doing a swim analysis, uh, you can, uh, you know, slow down that footage and see, are you getting more distance per stroke on, on one side versus the other or, or stuff like that. So now that we understand the power of the pace clock, a question I see from athletes is how do I know if I'm swimming at the right pace when I'm looking at a black line on the floor and not a clock while I'm actually swimming? Are, are there any strategies to kind of leverage uh, the pace clock or our, our time of our intervals um, to, to kind of know that we're swimming at the right paces? So it's important to be intentional in learning pacing. So um, as we execute these sessions, uh, it's it's it actually comes pretty quickly where you'll learn what these different paces feel like. And from there, generally what you can do is is dial in uh, really within, within a second um, or so very quickly. You'll learn exactly uh, what those smooth paces feel like. What does that threshold effort feel like? What is fast? 
Um, and once that once that proprioception is is dialed in, you can do those on a regular basis, and then again uh, arrive at the wall within a second or so. So you come less dependent on those intermediate uh, checkpoints. But uh, as Jeff mentioned, you know it's it can be as simple as um, taking a peek at the clock as you turn to breathe, or you make the turn at the end of the wall. I, I think it's that's a great helpful tip that I've I've never usually if I peek at the clock on the wall, like while I'm mid swim, it's to see what time it is to see if I'm almost done for the day. <laughs> It's, it's, it's not to judge my, my, my pace. And it makes that, that having that clean interval that much more important. Yeah. So you know that, you know, you're not, you're just looking for that number. You're confirming I'm right on pace, or maybe I need to pick it up. Maybe I need to back off a little bit. So you're getting that, that little instant feedback in, um, you know, the, the time between each length of the pool is, is relatively short. Yeah. Um, so make those minor adjustments, dial it in, learn what those efforts feel like. And this is really going to be beneficial on race day. So um, having a good feel for um, what an effort feels like, what a pace feels like is going to pay dividends on race day. Because if you, um, it's very easy to go out too hard. And if you don't know what that hard effort is, uh, it's easy to get caught up in the excitement and what everyone else is doing. Um, but you, you really need to know what your pace feels like. So this is a great opportunity to dial that in and have that skill available for race day. Yeah, John, what, what that reminds me of is, is something that I've done uh, before. Like, uh, and particularly like if I have an assessment and, and I bump the dot up one uh, or, or, or two, and so my thresholds change. So, so what I'll do is I'll write down the paces for my new threshold, my new interval, my new smooth, like all, all the different zones that I need to know, I'll write down what I'm shooting for. Mm-hmm. But knowing that I swim in a 25-yard pool, I'll also write down, okay, every 25 yards, If and, and so say it was two minutes, just because two minutes is easy on the math, right? If, if, I, if my threshold is now two minutes, um, I'm going to make sure that every time I hit the wall at 25 yards, I should be at 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do the math that way. You break it down in the quarters and suddenly not only do you know what your threshold pace is for a whole 200, but you can do the math on what a, your threshold pace should be for each 25. And, and, and for me, that's helped me stay on, on pace for some of these workouts is, is knowing, you know, what my pace should be every 25 yards. So typically our swim sessions have a little bit too much detail for us to memorize. Uh, what are some creative ways, uh, for us to kind of keep our workout for the day accessible to us poolside? so that we can remember what intervals and drills we have up next. You know, you could memorize. That's very hard. Um, there's lots of specificity in, in swim workouts. Um, you, you can, um, I typically print them out or screenshot uh, my, my, my trot-out workout, and then I print that out and put it in a sandwich bag on the side of the pool. Exactly and, what I do. My and, man. And now I've got, like, a, I have one. It's like a catalog. Yeah, yeah. I, have, I have one one sandwich bag that has tons of them all because that I, once I'm done, I just throw it in there. Yeah. A lot of um, you know coaches will will have uh, dry erase boards just kind of laying around. So, so so maybe you could borrow one or, or, or bring your own. Um, something really really cool. Uh, if you really want to nerd out, I have to I have to throw this out there. Um, my 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 buddy Brendan Hansen, who who was on episode yeah. uh, twenty one and twenty two. So great so podcast episodes. With shout Brendan. out to those amazing episodes. But Brendan at our uh, facility in Austin, Texas, he had these headphones that uh, he had a microphone, 
but his swimmers would put these little headphones on, uh, you know, waterproof, obviously, underneath their swim caps. And so they would be in the middle of a really long set, and he could talk to them underwater. Oh, wow. And he could say, hey, guys, you know, you're, you're coming to the end of the set. Just a reminder, we only got 10 seconds rest. We're going again. Get ready. And so now you don't have to wait and, you know, shake out the water out of your ears and adjust your goggles and all that and, and then listen for the set, and then you just missed your interval, right? And so if you're really nerding out, um, you, you'd have your coach on deck uh, shooting you uh, coaching tidbits uh, underwater. So for those of us who are not coached by uh, former Olympian uh, Brendan Hansen, it's it's putting it in a Ziploc bag a- ahead of time. Or um, jo- John, you're, you're a dry erase board guy, right? Yeah, I have a small dry erase board that uh, fits in my in my bag. I uh, have some markers in there, so I, I take two minutes before each session and, and write it out. And uh, quick and easy way to, to know my set. Yeah, and, and plenty of people, kind of how Jeff, you and I will print it out or write it out and put it in a Ziploc bag. I've seen plenty of people print it out and attach it to the uh, a, a kickboard and keep that kickboard poolside. And even though it gets wet, the paper just sticks to the kickboard and you have kind of a little tombstone reminding you what your next uh, <laughs> your next interval is. It's going to kill you, right? So um, so back on episode two of the Trot Out podcast, um, which to this day, guys, even as our audience has grown and more and more episodes have been released, episode two, how to remove eight common swim barriers uh, to swim improvement, still sits as our fourth most listened to episode to date. On that episode, Trot Out founder Jeff Boer and pro triathlete Elizabeth James Talk to us about which swim training aids or pool toys they recommend we use in our training. But but in the terms of this conversation, for, for making ourselves right at home in the pool, is it normal for folks to kind of cart a bag full of gear uh, to the edge of their swim lane? Or does that make us look like the gear-obsessed triathlete in the crowd? <laughs> yeah, so so can our tools make us look like a tool? <laughs> <laughs> that That is, in less words, the exact question I'm asking, yeah. Okay, well... Uh, Yes and no. Uh, it, it's it's funny. It's kind of like you you showing up to a bike shop ride, and and maybe fifty people have road bikes, and you're on the tri bike, and you roll <laughs> up on your tri bike, arrow wheels, arrow helmet, and you're kind of like that guy, right? All the roadies judge the triathletes, and kind of vice versa, right? Um, so, you know, swim toys are to to add strength and to help promote certain aspects of the swim stroke, right? So your, your technique should be improved and focused on first, and then later on in your swim career, let's say, or even your season, then mix in the toys later. Um, slowly transition into the swim gear, and again, it's, it's, it's added strength right? Fins add, add strength and intention to the leg. And so they can create bad habits. Uh, if you're, if you're using gear for too much of each set, um, but also, um, if your form isn't, you know, decent, which, which that, that tracks with so much of what Jeff and Elizabeth said back on episode two. So I'd encourage anybody, if you kind of want to hear the, the, the tridot, uh, mentality of, of when and how to leverage pool toys into your swimming, I would go back and listen to, to, to that. But, but in terms of, because sh- I've shown it to the pool sometimes, Jeff, and, and brought my, my gear bag, you know, with, with the, the, the fins and the snorkel and the this and the that and the paddles, and, and you get there, and there's eight lanes, and, and there's seven other swimmers, and none of them have anything, and you feel like, oh, I stand out, like, I have all this stuff, and they're just swimming, and then I've gone, you know, to a swim center before, and there's eight lanes, and there's, every one of them's full, and I didn't take anything, it's just my, my swim cap and goggles, and everybody has their flippers and their their own kickboards and everything and, you, and then you're like ah, now I look like the unprepared guy at the pool and, and so and so is it kind of just take what you need for your own workout and don't worry about everybody else 
Yeah, you know, I I always bring my entire swim bag. Okay. Um, now, I may just lay it on the bench, you know, off to the side uh, of the pool and then just grab those two pieces of gear and take it over with me to my individual lane okay. each time. And then if I decide I need or want something else, at least it's, uh, there. it's there. So I always, I just, I keep my swim bag in my car. Okay. Um, but it's kind of funny because, you know, you... You won't typically see that giant swim bag with 20 different toys in there, uh, and then someone show up in, in, in board shorts and a giant beard, and they're not wearing a swim cap, right? Um, you know, typically you're, you're going to see a Speedo, right, uh, you know, or something like that, um, or someone shaved up a little bit, or maybe even an Iron Man tattoo on their shoulder or calf or something like that. But, um, yeah, just, uh, again, kind of what we were saying earlier, just kind of know your lane mates and, and, you know, are they okay with you, you know, using uh, a lot of gear and, okay. and stuff like that. For um, something kind of a little unique to us having open water swims is is you got to get some time in your wetsuit and you got to get that experience in, in swimming in a wetsuit. And, and so some people have buoyancy shorts to kind of accomplish a, a similar thing. Um, is wetsuit and buoyancy shorts at the pool, is that is that a go or a no-go? It's definitely okay. You need to test them out, but typically you will not do um, an entire uh, workout in, in buoyancy shorts or uh, a wetsuit. Okay. Um, but the, sometimes there are just instances where you you cannot get in open water with those uh, uh, shorts or, or wetsuit. And so um, if you're going to take those to a pool, um, have a specific set where you're going to try those things out and then uh, – Really, the whole point of a wetsuit is, is to keep you warm. And if you're swimming in a pool, that most of the time the, that water temperature is regulated, and so it's unsafe to do pool swims with a wetsuit for a long period of time. For a long period yeah. of time, so test it out. But but more importantly, get the wetsuit, rinse it off with fresh water before you get in, and especially after you get out, okay, uh, rinse it off again so that 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 chlorine and those chemicals don't just sit on that neoprene; it can wear it out. Um, over time and it will, you know, can lose a little bit of the buoyancy. Be nice to your wetsuit people. Your wetsuit is nothing but nice to you in return. Okay. All right. So I swim at a rec center with four lanes. Um, and it always has kind of a few high school and college age lifeguards on duty. Right. And so swimming there a few times a week, a few of them start to recognize you and they'll chit chat with you as you're, you know, kind of coming and going and in conversation with this one lifeguard kid in particular, he says to me, you know, you're probably the best swimmer we have coming in here that doesn't do flip turns. And it's like one of those, like, it's a compliment that someone thinks that you're you're fairly okay at swimming, but then he's also, like, poking fun of you for not doing a foundational lap lane skill that kids <laughs> all over the world do at every single turn, every single lap, every single day. And anyway, rant aside, Jeff, tell me why you believe flip turns are important for triathletes to master and walk us through learning this skill. Here it is. This this is the moment we've all been waiting for. Is the, it the, the flip turn question? The flip turn question. Um, the, the answer to your question, Andrew, is there are many, 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 many reasons why you do need to learn how to flip turn. Tell me about them, Jeff. We get this a lot, and, and, and I have to say it, but there aren't any flip turns in open water tries, so why do I have to do them? Or uh, I'm just as fast uh, touching the wall with that open shoulder turn and go, touch and go. Um, but but let, me, let me lead uh, with this. Did, did, did you all know that deeper pools are faster pools? I did not. So so let's just say, hypothetically... My pool is crazy shallow. I need to get out of there and start assessing <laughs> somewhere else. I can bump, bump the dot just going to a deeper pool. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, the length from wall to wall might be exact. 
exactly 25 yards in every pool in America, let's just say. Uh, in a, I'm in furious. A, I'm leaving um, my swim center. Deeper pools are faster pools, right? So, so when you're approaching the wall swimming, there is a wake of water coming behind you as you approach that wall. Flip turning and going back underneath that wake in calmer, stiller, deeper water makes you faster. And as you rise back up to the surface of the water again uh, in that streamlined position, you you avoid that wake, right? And in and and doing that, let's say, four times per, per 100 can make you arguably maybe four to eight seconds even faster per 100 just because you're not touching the wall, turning around, and then swimming against that wake or that current that you just created, right? And so if you if you look uh, and you watch a lot of these Olympic YouTube videos, the, the, their flip turns are just deep enough to where they avoid that wake. It's pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Um, but even so for the triathlete, that doesn't get you past John's argument and many other people's argument that you don't flip turn to even have to think about the wake in uh, open waters from triathlon. So, so let me just run down my long list of answers, right? So, so first of all, if you're flip turning now, uh, and now you're going four to eight seconds, let's say faster per 100, you can now move up a base lane. You can change your base interval. You can swim with faster people, or, or you can swim on faster, more aggressive intervals and focused on being a faster overall swimmer. Um, you know, you hypoxic training, uh, improves cardiovascular fitness. So hypoxic being less oxygen getting to you, right? Exactly. So, so doing that flip turn, um, so will, will help build that fitness. I take a giant breath of the wall before I turn and go. So I, I understand that I should not in an open water swim. I can't take that giant breath every 15 strokes. And that brings me to my next point is that most people that are, are timid doing flip turns, they, they take a full breath of air. And in swimming, you always want to leave about half of that breath inside of your lungs at all times. Okay, wow. Um, one, your stroke rate is is so high that it's impossible to fully exhale and inhale every single stroke. So you don't need a full breath of air. You don't need a full breath of air. Okay. And if you're gasping and fully inhaling before you take that flip turn because you're, you're anticipating hypoxic or you're anticipating going upside down. And so as a safety net, you, you, you take this huge breath, right? And then actually your heart rate increases even more because it triggers that, that, that fight or flight. And then when you come above the surface of the water, you gasp really, really hard, which increases the heart rate. And so a lot of it isn't that you're not fit enough to do one um, or the hypoxic aspect even it's just you you need to leave you need to control your breathing leave about half of that breath in your lungs so know this too that your greatest acceleration in swimming is the streamline off of the wall and at your greatest acceleration you're typically in your best efficient streamline body position and starting every single 25 with great let's say perfect form really helps your speed in the interval and it also promotes better technique throughout the set so you go run a 10 mile run your form changes a lot right you know as you get tired your form breaks down your cadence falls and all that stuff but but in swimming if every single 25 you are picking up picking back up let's say perfect swim form um by flip turning then then you're keeping technique for longer and you're neuromuscularly learning those motions uh, a little bit better right so so this sets up the first of every single length with perfect swim form you know, think of a boat or a ship, right? The, the longer the vessel that it is, the faster that it goes and the better that it rises to the surface of the water um, and, and hence generates more speed. So, so doing those flip turns will maintain that. So, John, you hear all this and, and you're still not going to flip turn, right? I have flip turns in the past. Um, I've, I've kind of had breaks and, and starts in my swimming career, so to speak. Um, and, and 
I will say that that yeah, I mean every every point that Jeff makes is completely valid. I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to dis- disagree on on any of those, um, but. I will say that you can still have a very effective swim session. You can execute uh, the workout without flip turning. You can. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it may be marginally better if you do the flip turn. And, and yeah, you'll certainly look uh, much more proficient in your swimming. And, and yeah. Uh, but uh, all that said, um, currently, and I even thought about, you know, we, I took three months off through the COVID quarantine. I was out of the pool. And it's like, yeah, it was one of those things like, yeah, I'm going to get back. I'm going to start flip turning. And anyway, I didn't. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm okay with that. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm an okay swimmer. I'm a decent swimmer. And, you know, I, I grabbed the wall and, but, uh, that being said, I, I am also, I was, as, as Jeff was speaking, I was kind of thinking through, uh, maybe some rebuttals, uh, as to where I, I am very efficient on the wall. For me, it's not a big gasp. It's not a big delayed thing. It's, it's a very quick, uh, grab the wall. Uh, I push off, uh, I think just as strong as I would. I streamline off the wall. I'm under the wake and, uh, like a flip turn, I'm at my fastest there as I come out of the streamline and, and start the stroke. So, um, you know, it can be done. Um, and so I think some people struggle with it and, and it can be, um, somewhat of a difficult skill to, uh, to, to nail if you're by yourself, it's much easier. Yeah. Uh, if you have somebody that's proficient with them, have them take a few minutes and show you how to do it. And, and it does, it's usually one of those things that it's, it's kind of awkward. It's a little uncomfortable. It's not real natural. Yeah. Um, but a couple tries and yeah, you're going to get water up your nose a couple times and you may dive down to the bottom of the pool and, and you're not going to nail it the first time, but it's kind of like the clipless pedals. Um, we all fall over uh, a first couple times, but then once you very get true. it, you get it. Um, once you learn it, it's second nature. It becomes very, very easy. Uh, you literally just don't think about it. You just, you get to the T and next thing you know, you're, you're swimming the other way. So, um, so another thing kind of like, you know, the, the flip turn is, is it's a staple for a pool swimmer and for triathletes, we talk about whether or not we do it. Uh, another thing that pool swimmers do that triathletes often don't is, is different strokes. You know, the butterfly stroke, breast stroke, uh, we go in and we freestyle, right? Uh, primarily. Um, is there any advantage guys to mixing in some of the different strokes, uh, in your swim sets? I think you know my answer to that. If, if I'm a huge advocate of flip turns, I'm also a huge advocate of learning uh, the other strokes. Um, but, but I have to say something uh, to the last question, and, and, and I have, it has to be addressed because, like John said, it is absolutely not required for you to do flip turns. Um, but I will say, please, please, please uh, take uh, specific sets where you're grabbing the wall with your other shoulder. A lot of swimmers have shoulder issues, shoulder pain, rotator cuff issues, and nine times out of 10, it's Mm. because they're grabbing the wall they're not doing flip turns and they're grabbing the wall with that same shoulder. It's very hard on that, that wall side shoulder when you grab the wall. So just make sure, um, that you're, you're not always using that same arm. That ministers to me right there. I I needed it. That was for me, Jeff. Thanks. (laughs) Um, so, so non freestyle strokes as a triathlete, uh, you know, yes, it's, it's many of the same reasons as, as above the great core workouts. Uh, you can typically learn a new stroke or even a flip turn. And, and, you know, most people will say 30 minutes or less. And, and a lot of times learning some non freestyle strokes gives you, gives you confidence. Uh, it gives you added strength and, and flexibility and all sorts of aspects that actually help your freestyle. So I, I will say one note here is, is to be careful because there are, uh, just like in, in freestyle, there are specific movements and you're doing so um, under the resistance of the water. So uh, it's very joint 
focused. And as Jeff mentioned, a lot of times swimmers end up with shoulder issues and that sort of thing. Um, and some of these different strokes are uh, perhaps even more. Can I say uh, the butterfly stroke looks impossible? <laughs> like, I don't understand swimming. That's not freestyle. But anyway, continue. So I will say, um, especially if you're used to going out and knocking out 3K uh or more in a freestyle set. Yeah. Don't go and do a thousand yards, okay. thousand meters of, of butterfly or breast or backstroke. Uh, you got to build into it because you are going to be using some, some different joints, different muscles to, to Jeff's point, And that's going to help develop, uh, your ability as a swimmer. So I would say build into it and be careful, really focus on proper technique, good technique as, as true with, with anything. Uh, and then really look for those benefits of those other strokes. So, um, like you mentioned the, the breast and the, and the, um, Butterfly are really accentuate the underwater catch and pull that you have to be really strong in those, which you can translate that um, over to to your freestyle. Same thing with with backstroke is great for flexibility and reaching that arm around and getting those shoulders strong. Um, so so again, it's uh, be careful not to injure your shoulders doing that backstroke, but build up your shoulders and uh, use it as an injury prevention mechanism and a strength building for your freestyle. So if you incorporate it correctly, it, it can have great benefit. Absolutely. So guys, I always see flyers for kind of the local master's class and, and the term master's class has come up several times. And I admittedly, that was years into my triathlon career before I knew what a master's class was. I, I saw the word master's and I assumed it was like an old people's swim class. Not the case, right? Uh, so, so tell me about this. Cause I, I have some tri friends that do a master's class and they love it. They, they get benefit from it. They swear by it. And I have tri friends that have never gone to one and just kind of lone wolf it at the pool, go and do their workout and they're plenty happy. Is there any benefit to joining a master's class? Or are we maybe better served doing our optimized workout on our own? You're going to get your best results doing your specific optimized workouts. Um, but just like our cycling podcast episode that John and I were on together. Episode four. Um, we, you know, it, it is okay to randomly hop in your, your spin class at your local gym, some social aspects, stuff like that. But, um, you know, I would recommend doing your specific optimized training. Um, but, but every now and then, myself, every other Friday or maybe every third Friday, uh, I do like to do a master swim. Um, any swim entity that's, that's a real swim entity will, will incorporate uh, speed work later in the week, maybe like a fast Friday. Um, fast Twitch Friday is what we, we would call it at our uh, aquatic center. Um, and even TriDot has a lot of your shorter, more interval speed sets, um, you know, later on in the week. So uh, try to piece in uh, those those random master's classes with what you do have kind of prescribed that day. Um, so so maybe every third Friday I like to uh, hop in a master's class. So, but so don't don't live and breathe for the master's class and maybe utilize it when it makes sense uh, just for you know, socializing, maybe getting a coach's eyes on your form uh, kind of thing. So there are a lot of good uh, advantages, great, great reasons to go. Uh, one of them is something we mentioned earlier is just having that proximity to, to other swimmers. Oftentimes uh, you'll have up to eight swimmers per lane and, and it gets crowded, but uh, it's also crowded on race day. And yeah. that's, that's a major um, issue for a lot of people in, in triathlon is, is race day maybe the first time they've ever swam in close proximity to other swimmers. So, uh, getting in a lane with two, four, six, eight, uh, people in there, you're, you're going to get over that, or you better get over that, uh, fear real quick. Um, Jeff alluded several times of, of having that advantage of swimming with faster swimmers is going to help you push your pace. Oftentimes, uh, we are limited more so by our, desire or ability to push as opposed to what our fitness or what our form is. But 
the main issue with with master swim is is they're generic so every swimmer in the pool generally is getting the same set they're getting the same drills and not all drills are beneficial for all swimmers in fact um, some drills will be counterproductive for some swimmers so depending on what your swim form is what your strengths are what your weaknesses are um, the drills that are prescribed on a particular day they may be great for you they may be exactly what you need for that breakthrough or to, to get faster but at the same time uh, they may be counterproductive. So, for example, a very common drill that, that is used uh, across the swimming world is the catch-up drill. Well, if you've already got a dead spot in the front of your stroke, the catch-up drill is just going to be reinforcing negative behavior. Mm, so it's one can. thing if you know that you have that and you need to work on increasing the tempo of your, of your stroke and you decide to opt out of that drill. But if you don't know that you have that... Uh, and, and you have your coach telling you to do it and everybody else in the lane is doing it, Right. It's just going to reinforce that negative behavior and make it that much more difficult to to overcome. So um, that's why we say specific training produces specific results, random training, random results. So um, for all the benefits of the master's class, as, as Jeff mentioned, that your best results are going to come from following that training that is prescribed specifically for each individual. One thing we haven't talked about yet is pool attire, goggles, and, and swim caps. Are there any crimes against swimmer fashion we need to adamantly avoid, or a swim culture just a wear whatever gets the job done kind of kind of crowd. A lot of that's to, to each their own. Uh, what their specific goals are, and um, how long, uh, you know, have they tried something, or they do they want to try something else, or does their coach recommend something uh, for them uh, versus somebody else? So I will say the perhaps crime against uh, swing fashion, or, or maybe it's just people at the pool, is I have been guilty of of not necessarily realizing the state of my jammers uh so you know see through you know, in time, time after all these hours in in chemicals in highly corrosive the chemicals material starts to wear yeah okay. and, and as they stretch it becomes a little more transparent and i've i've yeah i've had moments where like oh my god i can't believe i've been wearing these so, so wear what you need to wear but just, keep it modest but but be aware and uh know that there is a life uh a don't, life don't show yeah. off any goodies you shouldn't be showing off down at the local yeah, pool yeah you know love it so when it's all said and done guys you know you've gone to the pool you've crushed your workout you've flipped turns like jeff told us to and, and you've represented tri-culture well the takeaway from every pool session is the after effects of chlorine. What side effects can swimmers experience from chlorinated pools and how can we best deal with them? There was a number of months where I was swimming at kind of a local box chain gym and uh, my I, I was in a state of, of wanting to grow my hair out a little bit. And I one day I, I walked out and my wife was like, oh my gosh, you have a shaved head. What happened? And I said, that pool turned my hair green. Uh, it's, it's the pool that I swim in, those chemicals. Um, and, um, you know, so, so there, there are lots of tricks that you can do, but um, swim-specific shampoo is, is just a go-to. Um, there's, there's specific so ones really made for chlorine. really benefit over normal shampoo. Yes, and okay. I actually learned this. I, I believe it was Elizabeth James um, on, on a previous podcast, but, but getting your hair wet uh, in the shower before getting in the pool. Um, if your hair is completely dry, it will absorb that chlorine as soon as you jump into the pool. So getting it wet first, uh, w will help that, Ooh, that pro tip, dry literally. out of the hair. Yeah. Literally a pro, pro tip. Absolutely. Um, 
But, uh, you know, um, a lot of pools, if, if you have multiple pool options in your area, it might be worth it to drive three, four, five, ten extra miles to get that slightly higher end pool that is using more of a saltwater dominant mm, um, yeah. mixture or, or even bromine, I, I think, is another chemical that they're starting to mix in with chlorine to help those, uh, you know, dry skin effects. Um but also, you, you you could even ask or call, like, uh, maybe one of the managers, like, how often is the pool maintenanced? Are they just coming in once a week and just overkilling the chlorine? And so maybe you don't want to, you know, hop in an, an hour after the pool was treated. Maybe you want to wait a day or two. Or maybe if they're, if, if they're, if it's maintenance too much um, or, or too little, maybe there's algae growing on the side of the pool. So go check out the pool. Look at the nooks and crannies, the cracks. Is there algae? Uh, a lot of outdoor pools have a lot of algae because direct sunlight actually kills the chlorine um, mm. and stuff grows. And so ask them, are they using a bromine or saltwater mixture um, before you buy that? membership life is too short to swim in non-clean water people <laughs> <laughs> that's it great set everyone let's cool down to cool down from today's pool etiquette and lap lane lingo conversation we have a special treat triathlete magazine is an industry leading publication producing top-notch multi-sport content all available at triathlete.com and today, we have the editor-in-chief from Triathlete Magazine, Kelly O'Mara, dropping by to share from her experiences swimming in lap pools around the world. In Sweden, I had to rent a pool buoy by the hour. In Finland, there was a whole complicated system involving saunas and long walks across frosty grass. In Rome, I was required to wear a one-piece swimsuit and cover up in between the locker room and pool, lest my stomach and thighs offend someone. In China, well... I have no idea what was happening at the pool in China because I can't read Chinese. Pool etiquette is a complicated thing. It's complicated in any language and only gets more confusing once you cross international borders. Heading to the pool guarantees a quick jump into the deep end of cultural misunderstanding. But let me recommend that jump. First off, you're a triathlete and swimming is part of triathlon and dealing with things is part of triathlon too. Secondly, and maybe more importantly, there's no need to go off searching or paying extra for authentic international experiences. You want a real crash course in how the locals live? Go to the pool. Yes, bring extra patients with you when you go and probably all your own swim gear. Don't count on things going exactly the way you want or getting in exactly the workout you want the first time. But you'll learn the system eventually and you might be surprised what else you learn along the way. The pool is like a window into a particular country's soul. Maybe something about everyone being so nearly naked? Australia has 50-meter pools in every tiny town and random eight-year-olds who swim circles around you. Europeans head to the pool in far higher quantities than Americans, but it's more leisurely, more social, less about the exercise. Many of Latin America's pools are private high-end clubs, and why aren't you swimming at the beach anyway? These are vast generalizations, but things I learned in between the travel meltdowns and frustration and confusion. Things I learned from swimming around the world. To avoid similar complications, let me recommend practicing these questions in a foreign language before you go. How much does it cost to swim? When is lap swimming? Where is the locker room? How long is this pool? Can we split the lane? Hand gestures help here? Is the water aerobics pool, or is this the could-be-mistaken-for-Olympians pool? What do you mean there are separate lanes for kicking, versus swimming freestyle, versus swimming backstroke? And let's be real anyway, it's not like every swimmer in the U.S. understands and adheres to American pool etiquette either. 
please stop talking to me while I'm on the wall for five seconds between intervals. If a foreign visitor headed to our local pool, they'd probably learn something about the US too. Why do they take their exercise so seriously and have so many gadgets? Those silly Americans, they try so hard. We really do try so hard. Fantastic stuff from Kelly. I hope she inspired you to give the local pool a try the next time you are on the go in another country. For more from Kelly and the other many talented writers and content producers from Triathlete Magazine, head to triathlete.com. Kelly writes my favorite reoccurring column called The Salty Triathlete, and her reading today comes straight from her Salty Triathlete piece called Swim Etiquette as a Cultural Phenomenon. Well, that's it for today, folks. I want to thank TriDot coaches John Mayfield and Jeff Rains and Kelly O'Mara from Triathlete Magazine for guiding us into the world of lap lane swimming. Shout out to TriTats for partnering with us on today's episode. Head to TriTats.com to get everything you need to show up to that next race ready to rock and roll. Enjoying the podcast? Have any questions or topics you want to hear us talk about? Head to TriDot.com slash podcast and click on submit feedback to shoot us your thoughts or leave us a message to get your voice on the show. We'll do it all again soon. Until then, happy training. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to subscribe and share the TriDot podcast with your triathlon crew. For more great Tri content and community, connect with us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Ready to optimize your training? Head to TriDot.com and start your free trial today. TriDot, the obvious and automatic choice for triathlon training. <laughs>